Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us here this morning as we're going to conclude our current sermon series, Hope for Troubled Hearts. Uh, so this morning, our focus will be on John 17, 20 to 26, uh, where we'll be looking at the end of Jesus's high priestly prayer. Um, when we started this series, straight from the beginning, we saw that the antidote to troubled hearts is faith. It's to believe in God. It's to believe in Jesus. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust and believe in me. Since then, we've been on this journey where we've seen it's not about um, faith from afar, but it's personal relationship. One where Jesus wants us to know his joy, to know his peace. Then in the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus's high priestly prayer. So, you know, he prays firstly for himself, how he prays for his disciples. And today what we're looking at, we'll see Jesus moves on to praying for all those who will believe in his name from that point. So let's turn to John 17, verse 20 to 26. It says this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them, um, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Our oh, Father, I thank you that you want your love to be made known in us, the same love that you had for your Son to be in us. Oh, what a glorious privilege. What a joy. And Lord, I just pray that as we as we uh, look at your word this morning, I pray that you will make your love known to us afresh this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word will be like that two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. That you will be at work in our hearts and our minds, bringing revelation, bringing life, changing us and conforming us more and more to your image by the power of your spirit. Amen. So I just want to start this morning by looking at what I call the wonder of unity. The Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, often referred to as the Trinity, is something we struggle to get our heads around. How can God be one, the God, the only God, and yet three at the same time? There's there's nothing we can nothing on earth that we can even really compare this to to get our heads around this. It's mind-boggling. But God is one. And yet Father, Son and Holy Spirit have eternally existed in perfect loving relationship within the Godheads. As we contemplate this, the depth of love, trust and unity in the Godhead, um, also recognising the distinct functions of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we, we see them working in perfect unity, in oneness. And it leaves us in this place of awe and wonder. We long for relationships 
that 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 are all satisfying, don't we? In the world around us, we look for these relationships, but they always fall short. Our love for someone is never enough to be fully satisfying to us or them. There is always eventually this sense of of there must be more. We see this all the time. Nothing earthly brings full, lasting, complete satisfaction. Yet. For love in the Trinity is a perfect love, one which satisfies completely. So it's staggering when we see that Jesus is praying this, praying that, that this love of the, of the Godhead, he, he's praying that, that we may know this love in perfect unity. Let's just read that again from verse 20. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also, that the church also may be in us, in this relationship, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow. So easy to rush on from that. But let, let, let's let the, the truth of that impact us. The all-powerful, all-knowing, mighty God, the God of perfect unity and love wants to bring us, bring every believer into this perfect unity. It blows my mind to think about the great expense of Jesus' prayer here, that he, he's, he's not just praying for, for a few. It's not just for the apostles or the evangelists or the prophets, but he is praying for every believer from that point of prayer. It's almost like this ever-expanding unity may be grown together in in brought together in oneness it's important to to realize that that we become one together in christ when we become a believer yet unity also still needs perfecting hence jesus's prayer so we are one in christ together yet simultaneously we need to give ourselves to growing in and maintaining this unity in the church it's a bit of a paradox really uh it, you could almost think of it a bit like how when we become saved when we become believers we put our trust in jesus we are fully justified we are given jesus's righteous standard his blameless his sinless standards before the status before god yet we are also being sanctified there's this ongoing process of us being conformed whilst we're here on the earth more and more to being christ-like and so there's this twofold simultaneous thing with unity as well and it's really important to know that that when jesus prays for unity for this oneness for this perfect unity for his disciples he also says this so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you believe me. He even says that the world may believe that you sent me. There is something in the church being one in Christ, visibly unified together, that is a witness to the world. This unity should be a tangible thing to the world around us. We often think of uh, reaching unbelievers by doing things like words, works and deeds. And these, these are all so important. Yet Jesus is saying, I pray for this unity in the church that the world might truly know who I am, who sent me, and that the Father's love may be evident in the church. So there is something about this, this, uh, this unity that as, as we grow in this unity, as we, we maintain this unity that Jesus prays for us, that, that actually as a church community, through our unity, we are proclaiming Christ. 
I found Bruce and Milner very helpful on this. I'm just going to read a quote um, from his commentary on this. It says, every time we gather together, we strengthen or weakening or weaken the evangelistic appeal of our church by the quality of our relationships with our fellow church members. Let me just read that first bit again. Every time we gather together, we strengthen or weaken the evangelistic appeal of our church by the quality of our relationship with our fellow church members. The biggest barriers to effective evangelism, according to the prayer of Jesus, are not so much outdated methods or inadequate presentations of the gospel, but as realities like gossip, insensitivity, negative criticism, jealousy, backbiting, an unforgiving spirit, a root of bitterness, failure to appreciate others, self-preoccupation, greed, selfishness, and every other form of lovelessness. Basically, what he's saying here is what, what is preached from the front, even if it is the perfect evangelistic method message, if it is not confirmed by the unity of the church, that message is utterly weakened because people see the, the, the unity of the church or the disunity of the church. So at the moment, as we're looking at the Take a Step initiative, we're going to be starting next week and looking to grow in our everyday witness. Let's not neglect the importance of growing in and maintaining our unity as a church. Let's be praying into this. Let's be purposely pursuing it. Let's let the way we love and care for one another be a shining light to the world around us. When people see the church, they see the truth that Jesus is the son of God sent by the father. And the same love that the father loves the son with is in us. Yes, at the moment, we cannot meet physically together all together. But actually, we can still be doing things to be purposely building and maintaining unity between and among us as a church. So let's be thinking about this, praying about this and giving ourselves to these things. So we've seen that this, this unity, this oneness of believers is a witness to the world. It proclaims who Jesus is. Yet Jesus' prayer has more to say on witnessing than just our unity. Let's let's read verse 20 again. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Notice as Jesus starts praying for all the future believers, he tells us how they will come to believe through the disciples' words. So yes, our unity is important. It's a supernatural unity we have as the body of Christ, being in Christ. Yet the gospel needs to be told. We see in the book of Romans that Paul makes this point very clearly. He says that unless people hear the gospel, how will they believe? People need to hear in order to be able to believe. Our unity alone is not enough. It's part of the witness. It's part of the puzzle. But there is more. It's clear from John 17 that Jesus's expectation is for a growing, multiplying church through believers, through disciples, words. It's not only just evangelists or apostles that this is this is down to, but there's an expectation that disciples produce disciples that produce disciples that produce disciples by their words. So our words are important and we need to use them for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be deliberate with our words. Romans 1 16 says for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation uh, unto everyone who believes so what does this verse tell us about sharing the gospel 
The power for salvation does not come from us. I think far too often we put pressure on ourselves. We need to have a perfect presentation of the gospel. We need a special gifting from God, like an evangelist, to see fruit in sharing the gospel. Or or maybe even we just feel we don't know enough. We're worried about getting it wrong, sharing wrong, or not knowing the answers to questions. So we shy away. I think, when I've been thinking about this recently, I just feel like there is a grace from heaven for us sharing the gospel. You see, we are all called to make disciples. This is our great commission. It's not the great commission of some of the church. It's the great commission of the church, of all Jesus is praying for. It's, it's, it's this call, this call that he has given us. And, and when God gives us a call, he doesn't just leave us to do it in, in our own strength. But he says, do it in the strength that he provides, that he may be glorified. It says when we speak, to speak as if speaking the very oracles of God. This, this is what God says in his word. God, God, God gives different giftings, doesn't he? He gives various gifts throughout the church. We have to recognise that we are the body of Christ, that we are a multifaceted body, that, that if, if the ear tries to be the roll of a nose, it just won't work, it will fail. If a hand tries to be a foot, it won't work, it will fail. That actually, we, we together are the body of Christ and we all have different giftings and different amounts of gifting, different grace giftings. And, and God wants us to be working together in harmony, in oneness. As we look to make disciples. But this doesn't mean that we aren't all to be making disciples. This doesn't mean that we aren't all to be sharing uh, sharing our faith. So this will look different for all of us. But there is an element where we should all be using our words to share our faith. As I already said, this coming week we're starting the Take a Step initiative. This is a great way for us to be further equipped and grow in sharing our faith. If you're watching this and you've not heard of that before, um, and maybe not even a part of our church, please do get in contact with us. If you want to know more about this Take a Step initiative, we would love to love to share that with you and talk to you about it. But did you know that when you were saved, if you're a believer, when you were saved, there was rejoicing in heaven. That's what the scripture says. You might not think much of your story. You might think you're insignificant. But actually, when you were saved, there was great rejoicing over your salvation in heaven. Your story is not insignificant. Your story, your testimony, it can, it can, be, it can be used by God to bring others into this place of life with him. We see often in scripture that the grace for stepping out of our comfort zones comes in the moment we actually step out. That's why it's by faith. We're looking, trusting God and God meets us in it. I think my danger is I can I can be too self-focused, if I'm honest. I all too often um, think, what happens if I look silly? What happens if I get something wrong or can't answer a question? And I can talk myself out of some, sometimes sharing with people. Uh, particularly if it's if it's a total stranger sometimes sometimes you just get that feeling that actually this is an opportunity where where it, it could be right to share the gospel and and so often fear can be crippling yet some of my fondest memories of my christian walk are when i've stepped out in faith overcoming fear uh, i remember once uh, i was at a christian conference in leamington spa quite quite a number of years ago and as part of that 
um, we were split up into activities and one of them was going for a prayer walk around the, around the town and I went on a prayer walk and we came across a couple of teenagers in a park and we, we got talking to them. I felt God give me a word for one of them and I shared it and I got to pray with them and, and that was it, they disappeared. And it was just a few minutes later when they came back with a group of friends and said, can you tell uh, each one of us what God wants to say to us? Uh, in the moment, this was a bit, bit scary, I was a bit apprehensive, but also, also was exciting. It was seeing fruit from what, what God was doing. Uh, I quickly probably fumbled a quick prayer to God uh, in the moment. And I really felt God clearly say to, say to me, tell them I want tell them I want them to know I love them in my mind this sounded cliche in my mind I was like God you need to give me something more than that but but that, that's, that's all I had and so I was faithful and I shared that with them and they started to walk off they were like yeah 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 whatever yeah of course of course God loves us of course God loves everyone yeah yeah we all know that and and walked off but suddenly as they were just just walking off and as they turned to walk I felt God speak to me about one of them has a passion for dance and and a passion that they don't use anymore and that God wants them to start using it again and so I shared this and it turns out yes that one of them did have a passion for dance and they didn't dance anymore and this this gave the opportunity to have conversation with them and uh I, I can't remember whether or not I prayed with them off the back of that but but what happened that day after what happened after that moment I cannot tell you but I, what I do know is I felt God, I felt there was a God opportunity to step out in faith. And I did. And it felt like God opened up the situation. And to be honest, even now, when I, I look back at it, it actually makes sense that God wanted me to start from the place of love. Even though to me, it felt cliche. I think to them, it felt cliche. It was enough for them to say, OK, yeah, whatever. Walk off. Actually, actually, God wanted to speak to them first from a place of I love you. And because I love you. I also want to show you that I know every bit of you and the passions I've put in you and that I want you to grow in. The thought of sharing my faith to strangers often terrifies me and I often end up, woe is me. Yet, let's be sober about this. The scripture says the devil is the accuser of believers day and night. Okay, so actually we have to be aware that sometimes this, this almost this oppression that comes, these, all these negative thoughts and fear and woes, could it be the accuser of the brethren day and night trying to stop us from stepping out into what God has for us? So do I go, woe is me? I can't do that. Or do I go with Christ loves me? He has saved me. He has brought me into this great commission. He has sent me as an ambassador of him into the world. He's purposely left us in the world that we might be shining lights for him. Do I let the fear of my flesh stop me of what I might look like? Or do I walk in the truth of who God says I am and the mission that he has called me to? In a moment, there will be a song. And this is just a great opportunity for us to break bread together in our households. To remember Jesus' body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. Bringing us together in this, this, this oneness in him remember it was talking about wasn't it the scripture that that the father as the father is in the son and the son is in the father so too we are to be in them and them in us we've been brought together the body of believers 
in this into the unity of the Godhead, the sons and daughters of the King. And if you if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, then I can I just just recommend that you take this opportunity to reflect upon what I've shared this morning. To consider about do do you do you find yourself you're longing for more than you currently know? That actually no matter how great the relationships that you have around you and how valuable they are, actually they don't quite fully satisfy you, that you feel like there is more out there. I just encourage you to, to consider this and consider actually maybe there is more to life than this. So I'm just going to pray for us now. And as I said, I just encourage you if, you, if you know the Lord as your saviour, just to take communion with those in your, in your household. Jesus, I thank you that you took the initiative <laughs> to pray for our unity. <laughs> you knew that that actually that actually that might be something that we struggle with at times, that we might clash with one another, that we might be bitter towards one another, that we might be selfish and not love one another as we should. Lord, and, and we know we know that you hear. You, you hear our prayers, that you answer our prayers. How much more so, Father God, will you answer the prayers of Jesus? <laughs> Who says, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. What a great prayer that is. And Lord, we just say yes and amen. Let us be a church of unity. Let us be a church of, of maintaining this, this unity that we have in you, that we are brought into in the Godhead. And help us to grow in this unity across other churches. Lord, because we recognise this isn't just about our local church, but it's about the global church. Lord, we just pray that you will be at work in this. Lord, as we t come, come to, to, to do, take communion now, we just pray. Humble us, remind us of your great sacrifice for us that we may be brought into your family, that we may now glory in you. As it says in the passage, that we may, look, with hope, look forward to that time where we may fully see your glory, the glory that you had before creation. Lord, because we recognise we only see in part now. And Lord, I just pray for anyone that, that doesn't know you, Lord. I just pray that, that you'll be speaking to them as they consider as they consider what they have heard this morning. Thank you that you are with us. Bless us, we pray, Lord God. Help us to live for you. Amen.